everybody. Welcome to Coruscant Radio Underground, the weekly Star Wars podcast presented by ScienceFictionary.com. I'm Daniel Peoples, and as usual, I'm joined today by Marisha and Andrew Gore. Hello. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode, and we can't wait to talk a little Star Wars tonight. Uh, this is not much news, kind of a slow news week. We'll find something to talk about. So what's going on with everybody this week? I traded in Iron Fist for Daredevil. Oh, yeah. I've been enjoying Netflix. Daredevil. That, that Daredevil show is awesome. The Daredevil show has been good from the get-go. From the start. Yeah, I think we're and this, three episodes in, but I've got to go back and watch episode one because I fell asleep. slept through it. I am uh, on episode seven. I've been binge-watching it. I couldn't get through this Iron Fist, and I'm just so irritated about it. I just couldn't do it. Well, yeah. no worries. I it's gave not it up. Back. I gave it up. Started watching Daredevil. I know, but I'm hoping. I'm hoping we get Heroes for Hire and Daughters of the Dragon. And I'm not going to be mad if they recast Iron Fist. I liked Luke Cage. I liked the second season of Luke Cage. I didn't watch it. So did we watch? It was it? good. Of Luke Cage. No, we mm-hmm. hadn't watched second season of Luke Cage. We yet. didn't watch the second season of Jessica Jones either. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Man, as good. She's as got such good. a bad attitude. I have a really hard time engaging with her. She's like... Oh, that's what I like about her. Oh, no. She's been through a lot. I'm not Watch saying that she hasn't been through a lot. She's hard to engage with for me. Yeah, but you get more of... In season two of Jessica Jones, you get a lot more. There's some flashback that give you more of her background, so there's some more happy-go-lucky Jessica. Okay. Before all the before all the crap happened in her life that turned her into a sour person. Mm-hmm. So... I haven't, like, intentionally not watched it. We just haven't gotten around to it. Ooh, you know what we did watch that we really enjoyed, though, was Cobra Kai. Yeah, I watched the free episodes of Cobra Kai. I can't make myself buy YouTube Red just to get it. Well, we did. You can do a a one-month trial. We did that. There is another uh, show on YouTube Red, though, that I did really like that does make me want to get it. It was Impulse. While you've still got YouTube Red, watch Impulse. That was awesome. Okay. Yeah, I'll check that one out. There's oh. like there's like three or there's like three or four free episodes of that one. That one almost made me buy it. I just can't bring myself to add another streaming service right now, knowing that I'm I'm going to be getting the Disney streaming service whenever it comes out next year. Mm-hmm. We All accidentally right. paid for the CBS one for a couple of months. We got it to watch the terrible, terrible, terrible Star Trek show. Yeah, I didn't get into it either. That all it took for me was one episode. When yeah. they changed Klingons again, I was out. Yeah, I think we watched three or four, and I just... Like, I really wanted to like it. I really did. Oh, Star, Star Trek was my first love, so I did too, but it's not... It I, it didn't hook me well enough with that first three episode to make me want to buy Star Trek All Access. Mm. Enough review shows on it on uh, the internet to know that I didn't need to watch it. Yeah, no, I'm currently getting my Star my Star Trek fix from the Orville. Um, yeah. Ready for uh for season two. I don't know if yes. you saw the trailer for that, but it looks good. I'm wondering if oh I forgot the actress's name Halston, Halston Sage. Yeah, I'm just uh that's bothering me if she's leaving the show or not. That's the rumor. Oh, that would suck. Maybe at least yeah. she's going to be on through through the second season that they've already filmed it. Well, yeah. that was the rumor was that they were going to write her out during this season. She's only in three or four episodes. I hope so not. either way though. It's way more Star Trek than any Star Trek that I've seen lately. It is. It's more like the Star Trek I like than Star Trek Discovery is. It's still not quite really Star Trek. No, but 
Like it's a little more, it still has that Seth MacFarlane sense of humor. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, which I, I would have preferred that it didn't because then I could watch it with my kids. It's, <laughs> unfortunately there's, you know, there's very little on right now that I can watch with the kids. The Cobra Kai was the same way. It's like, I really wanted it to be something I could sit down and watch with the kids, but mm-hmm. do not sit down Cobra and watch it with your kids. The episodes I watched and some of the scenes that they released on YouTube, I, I sat down and watched. It's, it seems very straight adult drama. Oh, yeah. Like, not like bad R-rated stuff, really, but, you know. Right, yeah. No, I mean, it's definitely adult humor and it adult be, situations. It, it doesn't seem like it would be entertaining to a 10-year-old. All right, well, let's uh, let's jump on into some Star Wars. And uh, as always, we're going to talk a little bit of, of news, Episode Nine. Uh, the Mandalorian, Star Wars Resistance. So just be aware, we will be talking at least rumors. If you do your best to avoid anything to do with Episode Nine, then I hate to tell you to not listen, but you probably don't want to listen because that's what we're going to talk about. And bringing us to our first news item, photos from the set of Episode Nine turned out to be Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't understand where they found those photos, but like, how did that get, how did that get started? <laughs> how did that Pinewood? That set was built in 2012. Is it actually still standing? Because in, because what I'm sitting here thinking and wondering is somebody passed Star Wars Newsnet old photos just to start a rumor. Is almost what this feels like. Yeah, I don't really know what happened there. So unless they're using old set pieces. Are they filming a new Pirates? Because what well, I heard today was they're actually talking about rebooting the franchise. They are. I, I, I have seen that news. Now. Yeah. So so I'm not real sure what the story with those photos are. And of course, you know, they came from Star Wars Newsnet. Star Wars Newsnet is a fantastic website. They do a mm-hmm. fantastic podcast and everything. But well, no, and they, they were the ones to actually go back and post that, hey, look, this is a, a set from a Pirates movie. Our bad. Everything, everybody reports, but episode nine right now is open for, it's, it's all just rumor. None of this stuff is substantiated. Well, you know, and all the people who actually happen to jump on the accurate rumors bandwagon are going to get to, you know, be so pleased with themselves for having been right so early. But yeah, I think it's about like playing the lottery right now. Yeah. It's just a luck of the draw, whichever, you know, which one happens to be actually be true. I was very disappointed to wake up this morning and find out I was not a billionaire. Oh, I'm (laughs) sorry, Daniel. I only live in South Carolina. Most of the rumors that are out right now are, there's not a lot to them. You know, a few photos here and there, but news is so limited. And I don't know, and they're keeping it under pretty tight wraps. I don't know when we're going to start hearing anything real. I yeah, mean, official we, news. Because we're not looking at a trailer, probably. The popular opinion right now is that a trailer will drop during the Super Bowl, first week of February. I don't even think that. Well, I mean, that's when they've been dropping them for the December releases. We'll it's see. Not definitely celebration. But if they don't drop it there, they'll definitely drop it in April at celebration. But of course, what they're talking about dropping at the Super Bowl is a teaser, not a full-length trailer. Right, yeah, right, yeah, right, like the yeah, some type of teaser. I could see that. I, I think they're going to save the Tra- first full-length trailer for Celebration. Mm-hmm. Although the Celebration we went to in Orlando last year, the trailer was already out. But what they did save for us was a really awesome behind-the-scenes video, which I've actually enjoyed a lot more than the trailers. And they yeah, did drop a new trailer while we were there. I think poster they dropped a poster yeah it was a poster i guess the poster and the behind the scenes is what they dropped at celebration everybody always acts like they're going to drop a bunch of news at celebration 
But that really hasn't been the case. Well, part of that has been that they're just really, I mean, they've had one project in the works at a time. There was no, you had one animated series, you had one movie in production, you had no live action series. They hadn't really officially announced any other movies. Up until now, there was very limited amount of news to drop. True. This coming year is going to be very, very different in those regards. That's true. Now, they may hold some stuff back for D23 next year. There's going to be some big announcements. They didn't announce that Obi-Wan movie we were all waiting for. Like, literally. I mean, it's like you could just stand around and hear people talking at Celebration. Everybody's like, oh, they're totally, they're totally going to announce <laughs> that Obi-Wan movie. Everybody just knew that that's what was going to happen this weekend. But it didn't. I don't know where we stand on any of those standalone movies at this point. No, and we're not going to until... Until they make some announcements. I mean, right now, it's all up in the air. And I, I think we'll get some better The last idea. announcement we had of any kind about the, about that was that they were all on the back burner at this point. We had that announcement. And then they kind of came back and said, well, we're only scrapping this one movie, which was the Moss Eisley movie, whatever that was. But then they've kind of said, you know, we're only working on the whole thing we discussed about. We're doing one project at a time right now. So... By celebration, we're going to get an announcement of the next movie. I still think it'll probably be a standalone, although we could go right into the D.B. Weiss Benioff and Weiss, and Weiss uh, trilogy. And that's the impression I get from whatever announcements they have made. And it wasn't that they were scrapping all of the standalone movies, but that they were going on the back burner. And that these other two trilogies, D.B. and Weiss and Benioff's trilogy and Ryan Johnson's, that those were going to be the focus. And, you know, we've debated back and forth on here a couple of times about which one of those trilogies we think will get the focus first. So right. I, I think I think either one of those, whichever one, either one of those is coming next. And then I don't, I don't know what's going to happen this time with any of those standalone movies. No, I don't know. It may be that some of what we thought we were going to get as standalone movies, after we get The Mandalorian, we may end up getting a shift to telling some of those types of stories in, in a longer format. Ooh, I watch an Obi-Wan series. I have a one track mind. Well, I mean, let's, let's be honest with the kind of money that they're willing to put into an eight episode Mandalorian TV series. They could absolutely hire Ewan McGregor to do an eight That's episode true. Obi-Wan story. A lot of actors that, you know, it used to kind of feel like you were either a movie actor or you were a television mm -hmm. actor and television was beneath these certain actors. I don't think McGregor would be that way at all. He's, uh, yeah, I don't think no, so. He's Especially done the, like, the, Brit the British actors have never really been that way. Well, and he's done like... I, I think he would do it if they want to do it on television. Mm -hmm. And he's he's done like random cross-country traveling on his motorcycle show. Mm -hmm. um, I think you're right. I think that he would be one that would probably... Well, and the other thing is that as they've started making TV projects bigger and more expensive, it's not quite the same as a made-for-TV movie was in the 90s. You know, where it's just like, yeah, it's like a Lifetime movie or a Hallmark movie. TV or, you know, Netflix productions, Amazon productions... HBO productions, they're really, really something, some of them now. No, I mean, we're, we're living in a golden age for big-time storytelling in a television format. The Walking Dead, Game of Game Thrones, of and then we've got The Mandalorian coming. We've got the, the Tolkien. Amazon Tolkien series coming. Uh -huh. And we've got some really big things coming down the line. And so I think the long-format storytelling 
when you've got companies willing to put the money behind it, in some ways is uh, a better way to tell some stories. Oh, definitely. So I won't be surprised at all if The Mandalorian is a big success to see some of these stories, like a Boba Fett story, actually go to to a streaming service. Um, I had a little random piece of episode nine news. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, Dominic Monaghan. Mm-hmm. and his interview that he did with the Distracting Pieces podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so I finally got a chance to actually listen to a little more. We talked about one specific thing he said, but it was a whole interview, and it's worth going and listening to. It's a really good interview. But I got to listen to a little of it today, and the part that I got the biggest kick out of was he's basically talking about, well, you know, he's good friends with J.J., and so when he when JJ's going to do a Star Wars movie. You know, he's kind of calling him saying, oh, I hope things are going good with the movie and just kind of beating around the bush until JJ Abrams says, well, why don't you stop by the set and take a look? And so he takes him up on it. He comes by the set. And uh, a few weeks later, he gets a phone call from JJ Abrams says, I've got this character that we're working on and I really think it's right for you. He says, okay. And they kind of move on. And he says, a couple of weeks later during... The Britain versus Columbia World Cup game just before the game starts because, you know, he's British. So this right. is a big this deal a big for him. Deal. It's like the Super Bowl. So J.J. Abrams gives him a call and says, if Britain wins, you've got a role in a Star Wars movie. Oh, no. <laughs> That's terrible. That's a terrible thing well, to do to somebody. I was already nervous enough. <laughs> like somebody calls and tells me. If the Saints win the Super Bowl, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no. I don't have enough invested in this already. give you a million dollars. Uh-huh. Wow. Unless you ain't going to beat Alabama. It's, hey, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Alabama hadn't played nobody. I don't hear that crap. We're there, we're there, we, we are the toughest team they're going to face all season. I haven't watched any college football this year. I just couldn't resist. No, I yeah, I know, but. Alabama keeps beating people by 30 points. Yeah, okay. Double A teams. Yeah. <laughs> Elijah Wood was in the, the resistance episode. I just want to see I just want to see the Hobbits go to Coruscant. I think that just needs yes. to be the thing. Yeah. We gotta we get gotta Billy get Boyd. Billy Boyd. And yep. Sean Aston. Yeah. I want to see Mary and Pippin together again, flying yes. around in that X Wing or something. Yes. Because <laughs> Hobbits are small enough to fit in the Astromech uh, <clears throat> compartment. So <laughs> Yeah, you could fit at least three hobbits in an X-Wing. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, love. That's your new Photoshop job for the weekend is we need we need three hobbits in an X-Wing. All right, so uh, the next item here is we had a couple of little quotes from an interview with Oscar Isaac this week. Did y'all get a chance to read those comments? I did. Because you put them on the show notes so helpfully, I didn't even have to click on anything. So what did you think uh, about his comments? I mean, basically it boiled down to, I don't know if it was in this, but basically there's there's less to prove this time. Like Yeah, I just got, he, he's just more comfortable with it. And JJ's more comfortable with them and, which which is good, you know. If, it, if you have a good feel to a movie with a loose set, so. right? When this flows with some news, we you know we had heard last week that there was a little bit more. There was a little bit improv. more freedom, spontaneity, to, yeah. you know, to be spontaneous and a little bit of improv involved. What do y'all think about that? That can only be a good thing. Uh, I think it is a good thing. Uh, 
because you're going to get it all on film and then you're going to edit the pieces you want anyway. So right. the more material you have to work with to try to build the movie you want to build, the better. Yeah. It's kind of how I feel about it. If they're getting a lot of a lot of shots of well, here it is by the script and now here it is with you guys doing your own thing and we'll figure out what works better. And the blooper reel is bound to be better. You, oh, yeah. yeah. Blooper reel definitely better. Well, but if you're going to do it that way, you have to trust. you got to have a lot of trust in the director. Yeah. A lot of trust in the editors, which which I do. Right. Well, and it's. I, pr- I, I think it all sounds like positive stuff to me. Oh, I think so too. I, I know there was some there were some people that were kind of upset with it, acting like it wasn't being taken seriously. They're well, just playing around on set, and that's not what I take away from it at all. I mean, some of the best lines in Star Wars at all were improv lines. Mm-hmm. I love you. I know. Yeah. That was not what was in the script. (laughs) No, and that one was an interesting one because they actually recorded that line over and over and over again on set. And it didn't work. And it just wasn't working and they couldn't figure out what to do. And so one of the times they ran through it and and Harrison Ford was just, I know. And George Lucas was like, that's it. That's That's the cut. Yeah. Well, and honestly, I think it's appropriate for where the characters are in the story. It's not like... I mean, in, in The Force Awakens, they all just sort of got thrown in together. Um, you know, pretty much the whole story we've seen so far, we've mostly seen people interacting for the first time. Right. Um, some mm-hmm. of the most important interactions, you know, with the exception of the people who are already involved in the Resistance. And so by this point, even if there hasn't been a lot of time that's elapsed, you know, they've definitely got more rapport with each other. Right. So I, I hope that the cast all and the crew all having more rapport with each other will kind of lend itself to that feeling um, of right. camaraderie. Right. Well, and the other the other thing that they're more familiar with at this point is they've spent four years getting to know their characters. Right. So at this point, you hope that your actors are as much or more in the heads of their characters than then the director and writer, you hope that they're so honed in on that character that they are able to say, well, I don't know if my mm-hmm. character would do that. Right. For me, one of my, the things I like about JJ being the writer and the director is if they deviate from the script and he likes it, cool. But exactly. if it's a problem, he can, you know, he still has the ability to say, no, we need to do it this way. Which is something most writers don't get. Right. I mean, a lot of times a writer, you know, writing goes in for a movie and that's it. You know, what comes out the other end may look like what the writer intended or it may not. Where when your writer is your director, he's got the ability to see what works. Make the movie he envisioned while he was writing that script. Sometimes it might become a completely different thing than he ever envisioned, but it's better. That's really what we're talking about is just the fact that this cast and crew apparently all trust each other enough mm-hmm. to do that and make it work is a positive sign yeah and it doesn't mean that the whole movie's improv it just means that where there are key moments there might be something that might work a little bit better than it was written i'm glad they didn't kill poe off in episode seven he's fun he's a good yeah addition. i mean that was the original plan was to kill that character in episode seven right. i'm not real real right. sure what changed their mind they've got good dynamics going between the characters. Well, I think what led to some of, well, I know the reason Finn's role increased dramatically and possibly the Poe Dameron character as well, just because 
Harrison Ford was supposed to have had a much bigger role in The Force Awakens. And of course, the blast doors in one of those scenes closed on his leg and broke his leg. So then they had to make allowances. Interesting. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so he wasn't in the movie as much as he was originally supposed to be. He was probably okay with that. They reworked some of his scenes, too, though, where he could be sitting instead of moving around. (laughs) Right. Well, the only other real news that I had on episode nine, you know, small little bit, the uh, the sets that we've talked about in Jordan, apparently Finn has now, or John Boyega has now relocated to the set in Jordan. Because he liked sand so much, right? Wasn't he like complaining about Jakku and the sand? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's really not any real news, but... It's what little news we have. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, we would expect him to be shooting in Jordan if that's where they're shooting, right? So Yeah, well, it's one of those things where we've seen... Whatever planet they're shooting in Jordan, that's where uh, Finn's going to be. That's all, that's all we get out of that. Right, yeah, there's nothing else there. Except yeah. that we're getting Finn in multiple major locations, which is good because we're. I'm still hoping that, you know, our three main protagonists are together more at least occasionally yeah well i i rewatched force awakens the other day i i have decided that as far as our three protagonists being together i do need more poe and finn that scene where they're escaping the star destroyer is <laughs> great yeah that's awesome it really is they're great good together yeah no they're yeah. they're what's your name fn2187 what i ain't calling you that well, they gave me i'm gonna call you finn <laughs> i don't do it justice it was a re- it was it was a pretty cool scene I liked seeing them together. Fun tidbit. I was going through my movies the other day, and I came across the Nativity movie from like 10 years ago, and Oscar Isaacs is Joseph. Mm-hmm. So the kids will get a kick out of that when I plug that in at Christmas time. But they just, they, they had a couple of cool moments during that whole thing. Why are you doing this? It's the right thing to do. Uh-huh, you need a uh-huh. pilot. Yeah, yeah. To- be calm. Be calm. I am calm. I'm talking to myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just now I'm just quoting them back and forth. I yeah. just really like that scene. So. Yeah, I think you're right though. I think they do have their chemistry is really good. They have good chemistry together. Yes. I mean, there's obviously a very different kind of chemistry with some of the other characters. You know, like Finn's chemistry with with Rose is really different, but it's not quite as much fun for the viewer. I didn't enjoy their relationship as much as I think that that they intended us to. We'll see. We can move on from episode nine news to a very small amount of Mandalorian news. John Favreau let us down last Friday. We didn't get any cool new set photos or, <laughs> or prop photos, but we did get a great photo of Filoni, Favreau, and George Lucas together on the set of The Mandalorian. This is what we like to see. Yeah. That had to be great for John Favreau. It was <laughs> on his birthday. Uh-huh. And he's making a Star Wars TV show, and George Lucas came to visit him on the set on his birthday. Yeah. Brought him a bottle of wine from the, the Skywalker Vineyard. I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to see George Lucas around Star Wars a little more. There, right after the purchase, he kind of dropped off the planet as far as Star Wars was concerned for well, a little while. Which, I mean, I understand there are reasons for that. But it's kind of nice to see him around Star Wars more because, you know, I mean, he's the, he is a mastermind. Yes. I'm with Marisha on this. I had kind of, uh, I'd, I'd become afraid that Disney really was kind of ignoring George. Push yeah. him out of the way. It's ours now. Go away, you crazy old man. But after knowing that he... Uh, visited the set of Solo and kind of gave Ron Howard some advice. And then mm-hmm. I think he's talked to J.J. about episode nine and now seeing with Mandalorian. I'm glad to see that that's not the case, that Disney's not going 
we don't want you around. He is he is still welcome there. Right. And he doesn't have any real control of everything anymore, but the fact that they will still honor the fact that he created this right. and still respect his advice and his opinion, I, I think is, is pretty cool. I think that speaks a lot for the people mm-hmm. who are currently in charge of this franchise. So it's, it's good to see. And as far as I'm concerned, the more input George Lucas has in Star Wars, I, I think that's I think it's a really great thing for Star Wars, not necessarily just for the kind of like, oh, you know, he has a right to be here. But I think it's a good thing for the quality of Star Wars because, you know, I mean, he's just he's got unlimited ideas and I don't want to see him write any more Star Wars scripts, but I would sure like to see right. him have some more Star Wars ideas. But I'm not going to feel as strongly about that as you, because as we've already covered extensively on this show, you like the prequels and I don't. Like I said, he doesn't need to write any more scripts. George can have good ideas and pass them along, but other people need to be tempering those ideas. I think that's good. That's where I'm at with that part of it, at least. And hopefully that's the direction they're going to continue. You know, hopefully that's the direction they're going to go. The only other real thing that came out about The Mandalorian this week was apparently whatever they were filming this week. They really wanted to keep away from prying eyes and went and had uh, huge shipping containers stacked around the set to block any photos from being taken. Whatever you got to do. That's that's actually probably a pretty low-cost security measure, you know, as far as security measures go. I I think they probably, we had, was it one or two set photos we had a couple weeks ago that leaked and you couldn't really tell much? But I don't think that's I don't I don't think that that's something they even wanted to get out. So they were like, okay, we're going to control what they see. We'll take care we need of that. To do problem. a better job. So I don't think until those pictures dropped that they were real concerned about it, and they kind of realized, well, I guess we're going to have to uh, block this set off. But no, I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm a little disappointed how long we're going to have to wait. But I really have high expectations for this show. Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting more and more excited about it. I'm much more excited about it now than than I was before. Uh, Favreau started dropping little tidbits. He's doing a good job pumping it up. All right. Well, Daniel, have you had a chance to check out any of Star Wars Resistance yet? I caught episode four. Okay. That was the oh. most recent one. Or Elijah Wood guest stars. Yep. How, how spoiler heavy are we on, uh, on Resistance? We can be spoiler heavy on it. Warning, yeah. warning. Okay. I don't know what kind of spoilers I was going to give anyway, but that, that's the first episode of the show I was able to catch, I'm sorry to say. But I enjoyed it. It, was, it wasn't it was much. Well, it wasn't much. There wasn't any big picture stuff in this episode, but definitely feels geared towards even a younger audience than Rebels was. It's very much for a much younger audience. That's really all I know how to say. It was, you know, it seems kind of a some formulaic. It just feels geared like I said, towards more of a younger audience even than Rebels was. I, I did kind of like that you, you sort of get the moments where Kaz is starting to realize that he's got this mentor that he's irritated with and he doesn't really think, think he trusts him. And as the episode goes on, he starts to respect him more, which is kind of the way you expect some of these shows to go. You're sort of teaching some lessons in that. So. Yeah, there, there's you, and you can tell it's geared for younger kids because there's some pretty on-the-nose moral lessons. Yeah. Uh, right that's what i was trying to say thank you 
I almost feel like whenever we're talking with the girls at the end, we should say, and the moral of this story is, <laughs> it's almost like a, like a fable, you know, it's like you get to the end and there's clearly, here's the point, which is fine. I've got kids. I'm okay with, with moralistic lessons coming from Star yeah. Wars or anywhere else. But no, but there's I mean, some, there's some fun things in there too. Him, him dropping the engine off of the deck. And then at the end of the episode, there's a call back to that, whereas the cart starts to drift towards the edge again. <laughs> It's just like, so it, it's the, it's the kind of cartoon comedy we've seen for 50 years and yeah. but it's there for a reason it works. So yeah, right. it's, it, it's entertaining. I, have, I see what they're trying to do and I see how it's entertaining. I do think the, the animation is quality. I like the animation better now that I've seen it mm-hmm. in a full episode, right. seeing the trailer. I think it works. So I enjoyed it for what it is. Now I did feel like episode four, was a little more enjoyable for me than episode three, uh, yeah, Triple Dark, mm-hmm. where we learned a few interesting things kind of about the Colossus and the things that go on on it. And in episode three, we did find out that these pirates that are attacking um, the Colossus are not just, I told the kids when we talked about it on their little show was the pirates were bothering me because these pirates attack the station and all they're doing is flying around and blowing stuff up. Not a very pirate. And thing I'm like, to do. these are pirates. Like, why are they just, pirates don't just show up just to attack. Like they got to be here for something. And of course we get to the end of the episode and find out that they're actually working for the first order and their job is to attack the Colossus to destabilize the, the Colossus to the point where the leadership of the Colossus is ready to just hand over leadership to the first order. All right. Well, y'all got to fill in blanks for me. Why is the Colossus so important? We don't know. Yeah. We don't really know yet. We just know that in the first episode, they told us that there was evidence of a first order spy on the Colossus. So that's what Kaz is doing there. He's trying to find the First Order so spy. So what, what, what is the Colossus? Why would there be a spy on the Colossus? What is this Colossus doing for the Resistance? Well, we didn't find out necessarily the that there was a... It wasn't that there was a, a spy from the First Order, but that there's somebody there that's working for the First Order. It's some sort of fuel de- refueling depot, an old refueling depot or something, is what the Colossus is. It's out on the edge of... Known space. It's like a rebellion era depot. So you're telling me they haven't four episodes in, they really haven't explained this yet. It's a kid's show. It's going to progress slowly, I think. But I, I think that if we're looking at the first order, the beginnings of the first order, making an incursion back into new Republic space, that it would be a, if if I'm correct and that it was a refueling station. They want to use it like a staging area. Right. Like Hawaii. In World War Two, basically. So does the fu- does the fuel come from somewhere on the planet where the Colossus is? That's kind of the impression I got. But like I said, you know, and I don't okay. know how so deep they're going to go with any of the explanation. Important. I'm that assuming would make it more strategically important. I would get that. Yeah, I'm not real sure, like that they've given us any real good explanation. And honestly, for what the show is. As much as I've enjoyed some of it, I don't know that they're going to get real deep into explaining why the First Order needs needs it. They may. Um, They'll probably refer to it in a book at some point. I think my favorite thing about the show so far is the aliens. Lots of aliens. Lots of aliens. Mm -hmm. And not just lots of aliens, but we've gotten lots of aliens. Something that no other Star Wars show has really, or Star Wars show, Star Wars movie has really done for us in a long time is giving us... More of aliens we've aliens seen. Aliens from A New Hope and aliens from 
Empire and Return of the Jedi. Which, of course, the girls caught on. They were like, oh, look, it's the it's the bounty. He looks <laughs> like the bounty hunter from, you know. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. They liked that. So I, Yeah, I did notice that, too. Now, of course, next week's episode is uh, going to focus around a mysterious visit to the station, to the Colossus, by some folks from the First Order. Maybe we'll get to see Phasma. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be Phasma or if it's going to be somebody else, but the First Order is definitely going to show up in the next episode. Well, that'll be interesting. Okay. But yeah, the kids really are enjoying it. Well, that's good. That's who they made it for, so. Well, which is, you know, like I said, that's why we've we've kind of been talking with them about it, because it seems only fair since they're the target demographic that, you know, their opinion is is valid and uh, important. Yeah, no, I've enjoyed their show. Well, uh, the next thing I'm going to cover is um, I, I kind of made a, a joke about Alphabet Squadron last week, and I, none of us really knew what it was. We all just kind of laughed at the name and moved on. Um, but did you see the description that I added to the show notes about Alphabet Squadron? Makes a little more sense now. It does. This apparently is is going to be Wedge as the leader of the squadron. Right. Alphabet mm, Squadron. I'd assume that from the synopsis. I guess since they've got X-Wings, B-Wings, A-Wings, of all different kind you know, styles of ships, I guess that's why they're Alphabet Squadron. Mm-hmm. Y-Wings. Oh, yeah, because we Y-wings should have... About Y-wings. Well, let's see. If we've got five, we're going to have a Y-wing, presumably. An X-wing, Y-X-B-N-A. an A-wing, a B. So it's our fifth ship. What they about weren't... the U-wings? Or are those ah, strictly you... atmospheric? No, they're space. I, we had not seen them in space much. Actually, I'm going to... If my internet's working here. Well, I know they can travel through space, but are they really designed for space combat? Because it seemed like they were just trying to get them into the atmosphere. Yeah, no, it, I don't think we've been given any real information on that yet. That may be what it is, though. If it is a U-Wing, at least we can... We'll kind of, we, we may learn more about them. Well, there is a cover photo here, and I should have included it in the notes. I'm trying to find it. I would love to see the B-Wings back, though. Feels mm-hmm. like it's been a while since we've mentioned a B-Wing. So I'm looking at the cover art for Star Wars Alphabet Squadron. And from left to right on the cover is a B-Wing, a U-Wing, an X-Wing, a Y-Wing, and an A-Wing. There we go. Not a W-Wing. <laughs> Alas. That makes sense, though. And of course, the, the squadron on the cover, the squadron is being led by the X-Wing, presumably by Wedge, wedge Antilles. You can always do with more Wedge. So uh, now that I know what that one's about, I'm actually really excited about reading that book. When is it coming out? Uh, it's yeah. not coming out till like next spring. I think right around okay. Celebration. Sort of sort of feels like the old Rogue Squadron novels. Mm-hmm. The only bad thing about it in that regard is that they didn't let uh, Michael Stackpole write it. Which, I mean, I, I don't know anything about. The uh, The author is Alexander Freed. And I'm I don't, not familiar with I don't know anything about Alexander Freed. Um, Except that he's not Michael Stackpole. <laughs> well, you know, my thing is with Michael Stackpole, uh, Daniel's familiar with, with Stackpole's writings. He wrote about half mm-hmm. of the original X-Wing books. I think he wrote the first two or three. And I don't know that there's been another Star Wars writer that writes space combat the way that Michael Stackpole writes it. No, I agree with you. Well, we'll find out. This guy may be just as good. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully he'll take some... I didn't think anybody wrote a sword and sorcery battle scene the way R.A. Salvatore did till I read Joe Abercrombie, so you never know. You know, we, we talk an awful lot about... There's always all the negative vibes. We talked a little bit last week about just wanting some things in Star Wars that... Are happy. Are just happy. They're just positive things that it doesn't make sense for anybody to be upset about. And I posted a couple of things here. I don't know if y'all had a chance to go through them. I know Marisha had seen the 
video from StarWars.com with Albin Johnson. I cry. Um, I cry fairly easily, but still. Daniel, did you get a chance to check any of those out? I said, no, I didn't watch it. I, I wasn't able to find much on the Rancho Obi-Wan either that you had told me about. But um, So I'm not going to be real familiar with either one of these topics for us to talk about. But, uh, well, we're not going to go deep into them. Fill me in I just, on, and so. I'm going to put these, I'll put these two things in the show notes. So if you're listening, you should be able to scroll down and find these in the show notes. And both these, one is a news article from ABC News, and the other's a YouTube video from StarWars.com. The Albin Johnson video. Albin Johnson, for those of you who don't know, is the founder of the 501st Legion. The 501st does so much good for so many people. Um, their mission is to do good things for people. They they have a huge Make-A-Wish endowment that they've worked very hard on, and they've, they, they spend a lot of time visiting children's hospitals and you know, I've heard countless 501st members say that they're so glad that when they go to these children's hospitals that they get to wear a mask because right. it's it's the only thing hiding hiding their tears. I mean, they, you know, seeing these kids, the, this joy on these kids' faces and, you know, they're a great story. And Albin, of course, is the founder of the 501st. And this story that I posted is specifically about his daughter and the way the community rallied around them. And it's a, it's a very good video and worth a watch. And of course, the Rancho Obi-Wan article, if you're not familiar, with Rancho Obi-Wan that's uh, Steve Sansweet has an organization called Rancho Obi-Wan and it is just a massive collection of anything that you can imagine Star Wars at Star Wars Celebration last year they brought their whole bedroom set yes. of of decorations toys sheets blankets wall hangings like curtains um, from the original Star Wars line in the 70s and set up a whole bedroom, like a kid who was a huge Star Wars fan's bedroom would have looked in 1978. It was pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's really awesome. And, and of, of course, they have an ever-growing list of things. Um, but it, it's a it's a good article, and it's just a good Star Wars story. It's worth going and reading, which uh, I will have to find a new link, because I don't know what happened. Is that what happened, Daniel? You couldn't get through the link? Yeah, the link wouldn't let, wouldn't let me in, and I didn't. Uh, I was pressed right up against time to record. And, and wasn't able to go on and search for it myself. So I apologize for not being more prepared. Oh, no, no, but, that's uh, fine. I, I honestly, I'm wondering if the article disappeared because that link, I tested all the links. So I'll find that and post that for everybody later. But like I said, you know, just good Star Wars stories. And Daniel, do you have any uh, comic book news this week? Um, I do actually. And I'm going to be a little bit, hold on a second. I mean, I've got my notes here. Darth Vader, another Darth Vader issue. This was actually dropped last Wednesday and we haven't, the first time we've recorded since then. So, um, this was Darth Vader number 22, Fortress Vader part four. Like we've been talking about the, the Darth Vader comic book has been, uh, telling us the story of how he wound up choosing Mustafar for his castle and the, the reasoning behind that and the building of the castle. And uh, we've talked a little bit about a helmet he came into possession of from Darth Sidious, from Lord Palpatine, Emperor Palpatine, excuse me, um, that belonged to an, an ancient Sith Lord. And the name of this uh, Sith Lord is Lord Momin, we discover in uh, last week's issue. And this is actually a character, Charles, Charles Soule, uh, created back in 2015. He was mentioned in a Lando book 
uh, that Soul actually wrote. So he says he's been planning the story for about three years. He sort of had this character's origin and background in mind, and this issue tells the tale of Lord Moman. So uh, we find out this dude is a complete and total psychopath. If you didn't already think being the dark side was bad enough, if you were a psychopath before you found the dark side, imagine what kind of person that would be. So a really interesting story. I enjoyed it. And it actually turns out that Lord Moman is the one who designed Vader's castle. He's uh, And he, des- he, he designed it the way he designed it for a reason. And so if you, if you read the story, you'll find out what the reasoning behind that is and find out the story, the background, the origin for this Sith Lord. We've also been following the Star Wars Adventures Tales from Vader's Castle, which a new issue of that has dropped every week. So issue four dropped today. Last week, issue three dropped, and I am behind and have not had a chance to pick up number four yet. So we'll uh, we'll have that for you next week, along with issue number five also. There should be a fifth one. So uh, this issue actually is going to focus around Han Solo and Chewbacca, believe it or not. Um, the, the story we get told is... And the story we get told is about this woman who is trying to have an ancient artifact delivered to her home planet. She can't find a smuggler stupid enough to do it. Well, she found one. <laughs> she found one. Perfect. <laughs> so uh, Han and Chewbacca go on this little adventure. I won't go into too much detail about that. I try to be as spoiler-free as possible in these stories. But uh, you get a good little ghost story involving Han and Chewbacca in this one. It was pretty fun to read. They had some funny dialogue back and forth, as they always do. So right. good good stuff going on in the in the comic books right now. Well, now that Andrew got a um, Marvel Unlimited su- subscription, I think Iana will probably become the uh, resident comic book reader in the house. We've got a couple. She's got a couple of digital ones, and she's always on her, her Kindle trying to read them. That's good. So maybe we can get her That's to come on and talk with you sometime about comic books. She would like that. <laughs> the more the more comic books we can get, the better. we got to keep them alive. So mm-hmm. yep. the more comic book geeks you want to breed, the better off we are. Yeah, so. Andrews, anytime anybody on the internet is like, my kids won't read, Andrews, like, comic books. <laughs> That's the solution yeah. to how to get your kids to read is comic books. I mean, it's always somebody's like, how do I get my 12-year-old son to, to read? It's like, have you, you know... Would you stick in their hand a copy of War and Peace or a Spider-Man comic? <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, yeah, exactly. Or even at R.A. Salvatore, it just mm-hmm. it, anything. If it's a, give them something that excites them. Talk to your kid. Figure out what they're interested in. It's you. You can find a book, whether it be a comic book or a prose novel or anything. You can find something that that interest them that's probably written for their age group even joe abercrombie who i've talked about a couple times is you know the man's nickname is lord grimdark he writes some of the bloodiest (laughs) darkest grimmest grittiest stuff you ever want to read he has a series of young adult novels that i really enjoyed and i wouldn't recommend those for a 12 year old but 14 15 16 yeah so you can you can find something for your kid or your teenager to be able to read, it, especially if you want to give them the Star Wars. These Star Wars Adventures uh, books by IDW mm-hmm. uh, are are really good. It's good stuff. People aren't just throwing out crap stories. They're writing good stories that are centered around people of all age groups. Which is great. That's what you know. That's what Star Wars needs. It needs to continue to engage everybody, engage the longtime fans, mm-hmm. engage the new ones. That's what. Yeah, that's that's the point of resistance. Yeah. All right. Well, we're just about done for tonight, but I thought we should do something we hadn't done in a while. Like the first few episodes, we talked about, you know, how we would rank the movies or our favorite villains, our favorite characters. We talked about different things. So I thought I would throw a question out there tonight 
We won't go too uh, deep was... into it, but who is the best pilot in Star Wars? Well, I recently changed my opinion on this. Oh, do tell. Um, well, I did. I did tell. Or I will tell, excuse me. I've decided it's not Poe Dameron as often as he'll tell everybody he's the greatest pilot in the universe <laughs> or in the galaxy because he's on, what, his third X-Wing now? Yep. I will admit, though, he wasn't flying the first two when they got destroyed. That's so I fair. guess I can give him a pass on that. And that hard break, 180-degree turn in Last Jedi was pretty cool. If I can base it on some comic book reference, Han Solo got in an X-Wing, and he's really good. So, And, of course, we know he's what he can do in that, you know, to navigate an asteroid belt. If he can take a freighter and navigate an asteroid belt, I think he's probably pretty good. So I, I think Han Solo gets my vote because now I've seen him pilot an X-Wing too, and that's pretty good. And he will also tell you loudly and frequently that he is the best pilot in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Well, we have so many, so many good pilots, so many great pilots. I mean, between Anakin Skywalker, Luke Skywalker, Harrison Dula, Wedge Antilles, Poe Dameron. I mean, there's plenty of, of great pilots to choose from. Marisha? Han, Han got my vote, though. Okay. Han got your vote. I think I'm going Anakin mm. Skywalker. Okay. He's, I mean, his piloting skills are legendary. He's, you know, he's, regard, you know, all the way through the, um, you know, through the Clone Wars, it's kind of one of the kind of recurring tropes is, is his skill as a pilot. And the fact that you see him whenever he's, what, eight and has no training racing machines that humans supposedly can't fly, you know, pod racing. So I think that, I think I'm going with Anakin Skywalker. Okay. Because, I mean, he's he's got some unfair advantages. Advantages may be that some of our other options uh, don't have and that he's super duper force sensitive, but I still think he wins. Well, I have to stick with the same answer I've, I've stuck with for a long time. Han Solo is a real close second for me, but I have to stick with Wedge Antilles. I know you're going to say that. <laughs> I think all of our answers were actually fairly predictable. But well, anyway, so given saying Wedge as he was 15. So. <laughs> Well, you're you're looking at the only pilot to have survived the assault on two Death Stars. And what he did flying through the bowels of the second Death Star is, I think, right up there with Han flying through the asteroid field. Lando got a freighter through that thing. That's true. Well, yeah. Although not completely unscathed, but still <laughs> it's a big ship. That's true. Which brings up another point. I've told y'all I'll rewatch Force Awakens of the Day. I also rewatched the original trilogy. Did y'all ever notice when the exterior shots of the Millennium Falcon, when it's in any kind of hangar bay or anything, people are standing around it, it very rarely seems to scale. Did yeah. you ever notice that? I okay. have noticed that in some shots. Like there's a shot where in Empire Strikes Back, where the, the two mandibles come out at the front, where we learned in Solo that's where the escape pod used to be. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. So it looks like from the shot, and I've watched it a couple of times trying to make sure I'm, I'm right about this, it looks like Han is standing with his foot on the bottom rail of where that escape pod was, and the top rail of that escape pod, he's got his elbow leaning on it. Like it doesn't even come up his full height. But that's the same width as the cockpit that he can walk through standing straight up. It never seems to be to scale. I mean, I would have thought that that would have been one of the things that George Lucas could have fixed when he went by and back and made it the way he always envisioned it. Well, maybe it's like a TARDIS. Ah, it's bigger on the inside. That's oh, it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It don't mean nothing. And maybe I'm wrong about what I thought I saw. But it just always kind of seems like it's not always quite 
to scale. Like if when they're when they're, the exterior shots of it, when other people are around it, it feels like it ought to be bigger mm-hmm. from how it feels on the inside. But you know how sometimes you go inside a house and it seems bigger on the inside and it does the out. Maybe maybe that's what's going on. I don't know. Yeah, I'll have to watch it and analyze. Well, has anybody got anything else they want to add? All right. Well, that's going to do it for us tonight then. So, uh, but before we go, Marisha, where people can find you on the internet? I am on Instagram at princesses and Padawans and also on Twitter occasionally. Um, also princesses and Padawans, or you can find me at princessandpadawans.com. You see a trend emerging. <laughs> and uh, Andrew, what are you working on lately? Uh, well, hopefully uh, some new articles coming up soon for sciencefictionary.com. You can catch me over at, at darklighter580 on Twitter. And I guess that's about it. <laughs> All right. Well, I am Daniel Peoples. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan C. Peeps. And as always, come see us at thesciencefictionary.com and follow us on Twitter at Sci underscore Fictionary. Until next time, may the force be with you.